review, y'all. Jump. The rest of the film. Jump. With my boy, John Hastings. John Hastings open his bitch. And that new Dylan got broke. Dylan got. So what you got? You know what it is. Come on. Welcome everyone to the Wrestler Review. I'm Count Dylan, and this is Cockenstein, John Hastings. Oh. People still say cock. I'm a vampire if this is the first time you're listening. I don't like this riff at all. My name is John Hastings. Improv is for men in their 40s to date 19-year-olds under the auspice of them teaching them improv. Mm, very true, John. Mm, niche, niche observation. If you're a first year or freshman in uh, university or college and you want to learn improv, don't go to a school because you'll be taught by an older man with washboard abs who will try to finger fuck you. Also, that could just you could just have said wrestling school as that's well. That's true. And you would have been right because that's the entirety of the Me Too UK movement. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Chorus Dylan Gott. That is John Hastings, and we will be talking about 1996, the year for Vince McMahon. A very fun year because this is when Vince McMahon starts to realize, wait a minute, everyone who watches this is a teen, and teens like yabos and ho-hos. This is the only, this is the only time where Vince McMahon, for about... 18 months to two years delegates and like gives up control and completely listens to other people because basically in the last however many episodes of 94 95 vince mcmahon has been so fucked in the face between the steroid trial hulk hogan leaving the variety of victims his wife had to go have lunch with and then put a contract in front of <laughs> oh god is that that's not even a that wasn't even a joke i thought there was gonna be a joke there <laughs> what happened no 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 just the i mean it's you almost want to laugh at the tension created by the entire situation did you enjoy the salad honey well that's interesting because by eating that salad you agree that nothing happened hey hon you're gonna have a slice of this pecan pie or you and then you're gonna sign this fucking contract because guess what's gonna fucking happen if you don't your entire fucking family will be cut up into tiny pieces by me well, not by me. I have this man, Mr. Okerlund, and he's currently just covered in dirt in your mum's garden. You know, funny little story. In Connecticut, they've started calling them nightmares, and they call them Lindas. <laughs> I had a real Linda last night. But the only thing is, I'm real cunt. I'm Linda the Cunt McMahon. Really trying to get that nickname funny on. Funny story about Jimmy Snooker. He actually was a uh, disciplined, nice man. Couldn't control him. You know how you break a stallion? Two ways. You cut him, or you drug him. Old, old Linda, old Linda prefers the drugs. Couple of sniffs, and then he's just turning women into piles of skin at the. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Here's the weird thing, though. Like, if it's 1996 and WCW actually wanted to play dirty, they play dirty in such a like 90s. They way. certainly do. They play dirty in a very interesting. They also play dirty in a. We're still fucking turner broadcasting and we're a giant company and vince mcmahon just beat the federal government and this is never brought up but it's like eric bischoff does a really good job in 95 especially setting up for the debut of the nwo which happens in this year the wcw was already turning towards being profitable and nitro was already on its way to beating raw consistently because it already was by using wc by basically ending wwf plot lines in wcw 
Their main issue was Hulk Hogan not being interested. That is a excellent point where it's like, why? Oh, I remember this feud between these two people. Why did that just end? Come see it on WCW where WWF has done all the heavy lifting for them. That is a fantastic point. Yeah. And so the thing that the narrative that the WWF has put that it was like Ted Turner and all this money, that's not true. It was clever storytelling. It was good marketing. It was also just WCW was a super unique product in 1996. The wrestling was competitive. The wrestling was different. The wrestling was from all over the world. They made it seem like it was a real sport. You look at WWF and it's so childlike and confused. It's similar faces. None of them are that engaging or exciting. The WWF is also very much distracted by the whole click of it all because they are really running the backstage area. And Vince also is his old tricks are not working. He's still trying 80s tricks of how he's presenting champions, how he's presenting all that, and no one gives a shit. Yeah, and to be frank, you don't really realize it when you look at WCW now, but when you look at WCW through the guise of what was happening in the WWF in 96, and you look at the color scheme that WCW switches to with like the gray and the red and the yellow, you see that WWF is still very bright colored. Like it's this weird thing where Vince is clearly stuck where he's got to try something. The thing he tries weirdly is basically hiring Vince Russo and he has Jim Cornette in his stable as well, which I still think is oddly the best, one of the best creative teams he had because he had Vince Russo just saying off the wall shit to get in Vince's ear and Cornette screaming at him to like do traditional wrestling things and being pulled in both of these two extremes eventually arrives on Stone Cold Steve Austin and not obviously Stone Cold Steve Austin came up with all this shit himself because this is the year that Vince McMahon is convinced by Jim Ross that you know what maybe this ringmaster guy should be in the ring and this is when Mankind comes in which is also Jim Ross but it's this weird thing where like WWF in 96 and 95 doesn't have a unified vision and WCW very much does like you stop seeing as many cartoony characters on WCW and you still see like the Sultan is still in WCW in WWF in 1996 even though they're starting to get darker characters like gold dust they have a strap match in this year which people think oh it's a strap match it's like an old school match but that's a fucking brutal match yeah exactly gold dust is this year and gold dust <laughs> the razor ramon leaves and they get a bunch of hate mail which we'll of course talk about where all of it was from they leave, all of it was from Dil- yeah, dylan by the way gold Dust's entire dylan wrote all of that hate gimmick mail. is i'm gonna fuck you and then vince mcmahon on commentary goes razor ramon doesn't go back for any of that uh, what, what the fuck, malarkey or something? He just calls being gay malarkey. Ah, the bad guy isn't that bad. Fuck, I forget what the. F- <laughs> Some things the bad guy does are understandable to me, yeah. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. In no way will that statement be regrettable for me. Years later, ah, gold dust acts like I did at prep school. <laughs> Oh, Doctor, he's just fooling around. Yeah, what the fuck did he? Um- he's just not able to find an available woman. <laughs> I think that fuck. Oh my god, I can't believe I, I forgot this. But there's a specific thing that Vince McMahon and a specific phrase that he uses to basically 
avoid the explicit, which is obviously heavily implied as Goldust is gay, and you guessed it, that's bad. He's the bizarre one. No, he uses a phrase, mind games, where he's like, <laughs> yeah, mind games, is that's what it is. I wonder if that's what he said to Pat Patterson with his husband, where it's like, oh, Pat, are you going to go home <laughs> and do some mind games? And he's like, uh, yes, Vince, I... You do mean make love to my husband? <laughs> yeah, mind games. <laughs> I guarantee that Vince McMahon refers to Pat's relationship with his husband as eccentric. Eccentric mind games? Oh, he's, they're going to fight eventually. I'm just waiting for the payoff. That's what he thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just a big angle. Vince only sees everything at angles. So here's the thing is Vince now, 95, worst year for the company. J.J. Dillon is left. That puts him in a position that brings Jim Ross back in. Now, there was someone else that comes in in this year that I just want to talk about in this overview section before we get into details. And that is at some point, Vince Russo joins the creative team. Vince Russo has long claimed that this is because he went up to Vince McMahon and said, bro, here's what you need to brew, bro, 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 bro. A lot of people have claimed that this is bullshit. And Vince was just added to the creative team because he was already on payroll as someone in the magazine. And they just needed different ideas to compete with WCW. I lean towards that being it. And the thing is that Vince Russo was such a product of the 90s that it became – he all of his edgy stuff was really edgy and timely in the late 90s. Like the late 90s, it's just like th this is every woman. She's, a, she's two tits in a hole walking down the street. Yeah. She's – she is 100 pounds and you guessed it 20 of those pounds are breast yeah implants. this is an 80 pound person she can only stand for a maximum of five minutes and then she passes like out. the 90s are and i know this is brought up a lot recently but it's like the 90s are like chasing amy was a cutting edge progressive film in the late 90s and you watch it now and you're like Wait, anyone's gay until they meet Ben Affleck? Is that the point of this movie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did have a thing with someone who I was dating where we had a game called How Far Can You Make It Through a Kevin Smith Movie? And the maximum we did was 21 minutes. The worst was Mallrats. That was three minutes where she was just like, I can't do this. Shut it off. Because she didn't have any of the, like, she didn't watch it when she was a kid. So it's like when you watch something that's like, you know what I mean? Where you don't have that like fond memories of it. It's really like reading Catcher in the Rye at 30. Absolutely. In your 30s just being like, well, why doesn't he just shut up? Yeah, why doesn't he just stop being a bitch? I want you all right now to mark the time. It is 10 minutes and 48 episodes into many hundreds of episodes here at the Wrestler Review. And that is the first Catcher in the Rye reference. I was going to say literary reference. No, no, we've made literary reference before, but none, none of them that smart nor that sexy. Oh, yeah. In the early episodes, you talk quite kindly, kindly about Mein Kampf, and I'm <laughs> I like, John, no, don't worry, I'll edit that It's out. not kindly. I'm just saying that it provides context. <laughs> proud boys. I'm a man, goddammit. Yeah. I'm a proud man. I side with Sarush in the vice battle, so I don't listen to that pleb Jesus. Gavin McGinnis. <laughs> If I wanted to get my advice from a Scottish person, I'd go to a bar. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about something that's not trying to... That never really denies its racist leanings, and that is professional wrestling. In what I will say, 1996 is pretty offensive, 
and 97 is pretty offensive too, but then we only go up, up, up until about 2006 when you, when it's just fucking goddamn, tr- when it's just Triscuits from then on. 19, through 2007 till now, it's just been fucking Triscuits with nothing on top, baby. That's been wrestling. Anyway. Yeah. So Vince starts courting some big names. Who are the big names? Jake Roberts, Ultimate Warrior, Vader, and Dan, Dan Severin. Dan Now... This is, again, this is a watershed moment. Dan Severin, I remember when Dan Severin came in, if they listened to the fans that presented Dan Severin probably, Dan Severin had a look for me as a kid at this time to be like, well, that guy's going to fucking kill someone. Really? I didn't, I was like, this guy's got Seinfeld's hair. I love, I I always love Dan Severin. And it's, again, they just, they, they just presented him wrong. Like it's one of those things where Dan Severin weirdly would have done better starting in WCW going to the WWF because the one thing WCW would be good for that kind of character is essentially they're just like, oh, uh, yeah, this guy did this other thing and he fucks people up. And then they just put him in the ring with Norman Smiley and then there would be a squish noise and Ner- Norman Smiley would be dead. Like, yeah. I, I get what you're saying because they did get Mongo McMichael over and Mongo McMichael basically has the same body as Dan Severin without a lot of the talent. And like Mongo McMichael, like you can tell by his hair and his tiny glasses, like Mongo McMichael is working for WCW because he's like, I got an NFL retirement son, but I want to do cocaine. So let's... Uh... <laughs> After here's what I did, I went, who does the most cocaine in the world and they told me Ric Flair so I started doing Ric Flair does which I've come to learn is professional. All right, now here's what you need to know about Mongo McMichael. I got a tiny dog and a big nostril. Someone rack me up a line the size of my fucking ruler. The ruler is two hands beside each other. And someone tell Deborah that I am getting divorced. <laughs> can can you divorce a woman by just leaving her a note yeah. written and come? Because I'm pretty sure I tried that. Ha ha, Mongo. Mongo here. I'm somehow from Chicago. I just want to let everybody know that uh, every time I see a deep dish pizza, I fuck it. Now, where's my tiny dog? <laughs> you guys remember the 85 bears? Well, I fucked Refrigerator Prairie, right? And his... It was a they, back in those days. They called it a prank on the other show. They call it mind games. <laughs> what do I call it? I call it filling in a Sunday afternoon. Hello, everybody. Here's here's something you don't know about refrigerator Perry. The reason why they called him a refrigerator, his loads were cold. Genetic disorder. <laughs> so here we go. Let's fucking strap. Let's in fuck. Baby. Yeah, lube me, lube me, Dylan. I think we could go all over the place. I don't think there's any real need to obey a chronology for this one. But anyway, the Royal Rumble happens in January because there is stuff I just want to talk about just to talk okay. about. Okay. The Royal Rumble happens in January and it, it happened in front of under 10,000. Good. Uh, the buy rate was actually up from last year. They are pushing Ahmed Johnson, history's greatest wrestler right now. And uh, Shawn Michaels wins the Royal Rumble. Did you know that? I did not. Due to Fatu's baby oil, Steve Austin, who was supposed to finish in the final four, slipped out of the ring early, and they had to recalibrate the match. Did you know that? I did not know that. I mean, it's so funny that baby oil cost him the match. <laughs> uh, Vader made his WWF debut, one of the, I'd say, worst runs in WWF. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They Just fucked Just from where it he up. came in, that fucking Gorilla Monsoon angle was so crazy. And then he just ended up, Shawn Michaels was like, he hits too hard and then just beat him. And then that was the end of Vader, really. But then we get fat piece of shit in about a year. Yeah, it was fucking, um, 
It was fucking such a shame. And then Vader is the biggest sort of victim of the click in that Vader was really loved by Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette was too aggressive in pushing him to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon didn't like him because he wouldn't change his name to the Mastodon. Then they worked. he worked with Shawn Michaels. Vader works really stiff. Shawn was just like, if you do that, it'll be your fucking job, you fat fuck. And Vader believed him. And also, like, again, this is never brought up. Shawn Michaels in the middle of a match for everyone that, like, oh, we have to protect the business, landed on his feet and yelled, move, you dumb shit, move, revealing to everyone that it's fucking fake. And I listen, I'm all for wrestling is fake. We know that it's fake. But, like, that sort of shit is just, like, you're being an asshole, Sean. You're just... Well, it's also, like, you're... Yeah, it's fake. So is acting. Don't break... Don't break the scene to start directing. Yeah, you fuck. Like, that's not what you do. You figure out a way to do that but within the scene, like, you know, you see Macbeth and they're just like, hey, you're fucking open up more when you talk. Hey, pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Alexi. Alexi. Your Brutus is uninspired. <laughs> so towards the end of the month, we get WCW's biggest rating wins. That was 3.5 to 2.4. Now, I do totally think that because think about this. The WCW rating is up. Yes. But also, WWF rating isn't really up. Also, we should mention this, is that they officially get legal action to stop the billionaire Ted skits. If you haven't seen... Oh, yeah. Ted this skits. is an example of why Vince McMahon's a real piece of shit when he gets back into a corner and that he doesn't really know how to... He doesn't know to how to attack from a position of weakness, weirdly. Vince McMahon's only good from attacking from a position of strength, which sounds weird. But it's very similar to Trump in that Trump isn't able to like go from the bottom where it's like, oh, I'm losing... Let me strike out against them. Like, if Vince is winning, he's weirdly good at attacking people, hence the 80s run and the Attitude Era run against WCW once he starts winning. But when he's losing, he's so crazed by it. Like, his decisions are so weird. Bear in mind, the billionaire Ted sketches were presented like they were, like, legitimate. They were also way too inside that no one really knew what they were. And they advertised, like, they're, we're showing the final one at WrestleMania. Like, buy WrestleMania to watch the billionaire Ted sketch. Like, it was so bizarre. And it was weird because it was like watching it as a kid. I was 11 at the time. And it was like, you're like, I, I are they, are Macho Man and, and Hulk Hogan going to come back and beat these guys up? Like, what is this? Who's Ted? It's also one of those things where it just, it for me, it was like, oh, yeah, WCW. I should just watch that. Well, this is the, well, this is the other thing where it was like, uh, Vince McMahon basically a lot of opposition to this and he said don't worry it'll be the funniest thing we've ever done which is crazy because it's like oh and then at the end of it uh, WWF mock Turner for having bipolar using a line Jane where's my lithium at the at the end of one of the sketches which is is he bipolar I didn't know that I guess well I guess the lithium man so uh, then Vince McMahon said and then Vince McMahon, one of the uh, the one at WrestleMania that they didn't end up doing was he was just going to come on stage and there was going to be, uh, he was going to be in the ring and he was going to introduce Jane Fonda and then he was just going to f- fuck this Jane Fonda look yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for thirty minutes, um, whether he nutted or not, he was just going to put the soft in and just keep on going and say and then yelling into the microphone, "This is longer than you can." And this is bigger than yours, Ted. Yeah. Well, it was it was called the Yank My Rope match. <laughs> yeah. And he was he was actually going to take a bunch of medication to make sure it was soft. He's like, 
your wife can't even get me hard, Ted. Now watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was it. Yeah. And Linda, by the way, was going to eat a cold sandwich in the corner. Like she was going to, it was going to be brought to her. She was going to go negotiate some contract signings from a variety of abuse victims. Like just, you know, continue to be the incredible evil pieces of shit that Vince and Linda McMahon are. Yeah. And then a lot, and then another one was. Uh, a Ted Turner looked like was going to have sex with Linda McMahon and then he would blow his load immediately and then she'd grab a mic and be like, now that's a tight pussy. That was enough. Yeah, yeah. And then Vince would eat the load and be like, now I have your baby. I now I now shit your babies. <laughs> and then he would go, I know your secrets. Yeah. That's what he would do. Your babies are my shit. Like the brain bug in Starship Troopers. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> truly an awful Sidebar movie. on the movie Star- Starship Troopers. I guarantee that movie made a lot of money from when you could rent videos because every kid my age was like, have you seen Starship Troopers? And then they would all be like, no, but I have fast forwarded to minute 35 and minute hour four when there are tits. Did you know that uh, during the shower scene in Starship Troopers, someone <laughs> tweeted this to me tw- uh, on Twitter, during, and there's an article to back it up. During the st- uh, shower scene in Starship Troopers, uh, Paul Verhoeven was also naked to quote-unquote calm <laughs> down the actors. <laughs> and no one has vetoed that guy yet, where he's like, to calm you down, I'm just going to be jacking off in the yeah, corner. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the, the set of Starship Troopers. Mr. Verhoeven, why are you just wearing a shirt but no pants or underwear? I want you all to know that I am... Thick but not long, which is what this movie will be. I find when you put the shirt on and no pants, you notice the penis more. It can blend in with the other body parts <laughs> if you don't. No, you notice the penis, so notice my penis. I want you all to know to calm everyone during the big battle scene. I have brought in my friend Steve Mongo McMichael. Oh, fucking right. All right. Yeah, Mongo here. All right. Everyone, we're going to do poppers, so you got hard stuff for the battle. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody here. Mongo here. Do you guys remember the 85 Bears? <laughs> well, we used to do a lot of these. Here's what we do mush our cock into cocaine then we'd prank (laughs) ourselves that means suck your own dick mongo i just like the idea he's always talking about the 80 ah you guys got a good club sandwich i remember when i was on the 85 bears i went to a nightclub once and i got ejected for taking a full shit uh, in a champagne bottle, bled from. By the way, one hundred percent. That's all he does because he wears his Super Bowl ring everywhere, and there are a lot of Super Bowl champions who do not do that. I mean, but there's also a lot of Super Bowl champions that have sold sold their ring. Like a lot of them have sold their rings. Let's be honest. Like, if you eBay Super Bowl ring, it is a real depressing time. Yeah, that stinks. At least it's not like one of those things where you, there's some leagues where you have to buy it. And they're like, I'm not buying my own ring. Anyway, billionaire Ted, uh, who was the evil, evil part, evil uh, member of WCW. Of course, all this, all the sketches stop because there is a lawsuit. But here's my favorite thing. McMahon attempted to purchase ad space in both the New York Times oh, and the Wall Street yeah. Journal with a photo of Turner in large, bold print saying, attention stockholders. The copy uh, was to read, has Ted Turner lost $40 million of your money in his personal vendetta against the World Wrestling Federation? Where are the losses reported in TBS financial statements? 
both papers turned down the ad. Yeah. Although a modified version of the ad was later accepted by the Times and was expected to run in the financial section on the 7th of February, the FTC uh, takes things too far uh, and by threatening to disrupt the Time Warner uh, merger, which is what McMahon was explicitly trying to do with this, USA uh, Network's Kay uh, Klopowitz has stepped in and she prohibits... Any additional billionaire Ted sketches fucking finally and the network give him grief over his content, but when they uh, when they see his ratings loosen, there are restrictions on what he can do. Sorry. In the end, it doesn't really seem to work against McMahon, as although the network gave him grief over his content, when they see his ratings, they loosen restrictions on what he can do. Basically, rate ratings are trending up. So, hey, buddy, don't directly try and cause a lawsuit here, but you can still have Sonny uh, tempt gold dust and then go, it's soft. He really is one. <laughs> yes. The other thing to remember is this is a po- case in point of whenever Vince McMahon or Donald Trump say they're good at business, there's always evidence like this where it's like they're not. They're good at one facet of business that led to extreme success. And then if they try and go... And use what they think is those tactics somewhere else, they get super fucked. Hence, this situation. You can't. He's trying to disrupt the Time Warner merger, or the, yeah, Time Warner merger by saying um, that there is no proof of their losses, not understanding that a giant conglomerate like this has a company like WCW where those losses are absorbed as a reason not to pay taxes, so you don't need to report them. That's why Turner owns WCW. And that just, like, this is the first time that Vince McMahon's ever been on a level playing field with a competitor, where it's like, now he's terrified because, obviously, Eric Bischoff is competent. They do have more resources than him. So now he's trying to basically portray himself as this, like, mom-and-pop shop, even though it's like, you know what it reminds me a lot of? I listened to this whole thing on Walmart versus Amazon Prime, and this era of the WWF really reminds me of Walmart, where it's like, now they're trying to portray themselves as the underdog, even though they drove out every single regional fucking mom and pop chain out of business ruthlessly. And then now that there's someone who's better at what they were doing, they're trying to pull the card of, oh, look, like, don't you what, don't you miss old WWF? Don't you miss old Walmart? You know? Absolutely, and that's the interesting thing. And it's a great correlation because Amazon is actually going to uh, one it in some ways encourage mom and pops again because people will want to go into a store, property will drop, so it'll actually be affordable again to open up a brick and mortar store if you're doing one thing and one thing well. So it will actually rejuvenate that area of business. But something like Walmart won't be able to sustain itself in the same way that WWF now is having a big trouble sustaining itself without, say, an audience. Ooh, suck me now the other thing i just want to talk about quickly is vince also is very angry at hulk hogan in this time because hulk hogan is in wcw hulk hogan is being a wrestler in wcw which depending on the times vince claims that hogan told him he was giving up wrestling other times he was like you can't draw with him anymore so there's no reason to have him in your company yeah and obviously he's mad at the hulk hogan because I mean, we're months away from Hulk Hogan doing the biggest. The, I mean, this is what Hulk Hogan turning heel was in the news. Yeah, it was the biggest thing in wrestling for a minute. Like it's, it was the biggest thing in wrestling until Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it was the only other time besides the pipe bomb when 
people were literally like, wait, is that real? People couldn't believe it. And then they finally, like, I don't know if they, I mean, this isn't a review of WCW, obviously, but, like, I don't know if they just fucking planted people throwing shit in the crowd, no, but people they, definitely threw shit. I can shit explain what like, that was, and it was very clever by Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan did it in Daytona Beach, and that arena is surrounded by bars, and he's like, it's Florida. There's, he's like, that's still a somewhat hot territory. Even if they're young people, they'll be there with a parent that grew up going to see Dusty Rhodes under Eddie Graham. They're fucking crazy. If we do this, it's not that they are shocked that Hogan is a bad guy. It's that we're giving them an excuse to boo someone they already hate. So it'll go fucking great. Let's do it. I think that... Well, well let's move on to talking about Razor Ramon leaving, which I think is one of the best arguments for them having two big wrestling federations because razor ramon is a by 1996 he's a solid intercontinental guy like that's where he is he's in and out of winning the Intercontinental. he's the tito santana of the ne- of the new generation well even that even more so than that he's like um the miz or maybe chris jericho was a couple of years ago where it's like this guy is a world-class talent, but he's stuck in this specific role within the company. And because people like Scott Hall can't go to different places, you don't get, obviously, the outsiders and stuff. I mean, that sounds obvious, but it's like he's pigeonholed as an intercontinental guy. He basically goes to Vince and says, can I move up? And basically Vince says, no, we're happy with where you are. So he ends up leaving, which Vince doesn't give a shit about, but he doesn't realize that Hall is just one domino and Nash is about to leave. But they Hall doesn't have to work out the rest of his schedule, but of course Nash does, um, per a memo uh, from Linda McMahon. That Kevin Nash had to sign at a lunch that he went to because Kevin Nash was like... Um, can you stop having your husband just send me knives in the mail? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with them. And she's like, oh, honey, let's just go get ourselves a Cobb salad. <laughs> I think that Linda did it because uh, Vince was probably like, uh, I don't even care that you're leaving, just so you know, bitch. Yeah, I don't care. Stop it. Yeah, it'd be like when if Dylan's wife goes away, Dylan really sulks. He's like, it's fine. I don't mind. Yeah, here's what I do. I go, oh, that's fine. Leave. I'll just fucking kill myself. Yeah, that's Dylan. Dylan is, and you can ask anyone who lives with Dylan, Dylan is super emo. Mm, And then I write poetry. I go, hello there. Shadows in the night. Where's my wife? When is she coming back? (laughs) I don't like, I don't like that emo impression at all. Here's the idea. Here, check it out. Here's a ding dong. Hello? Hello there. <laughs> That's me. That's me. Anyway, Mankind debuts on TV in April. Um, and with Mankind, Gold Dust, and of course, the Ringmaster. <laughs> Believe it or not, Sable debuts. Mar- like, this and is, Mark this Marrow, is, uh, baby. They're rebuilding fast. Mark Marrow, the first person in the WWF to get guaranteed money because Vince McMahon was obsessed with the Johnny B. Bad character. Didn't realize that WCW owned that somehow because he's, I think, an idiot. Oh, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> he's an idiot. We should t- talk about this. We should talk about WrestleMania 12 taking place Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim in front of just over 18,000 people. Uh, the buy rate was down 50,000 more people. Uh, 290,000 bought the event. I watched this event. They had Roddy Piper beating up Goldust, stripping Goldust, and they did an OJ chase in a fucking Ford Bronco. OJ was originally sub- slated to appear... And Roddy Piper and him would hug and then make out and go, this guy was right. 
Mm-hmm. And then they would go, at least he's not gold dust. And then they would wink. And then they would Together they would go to Oregon and find Kitty Piper and kill her. <laughs> Roddy loved his wife. But as he, as he was chopping her fucking head off, he would say, it's all about the business, brother. The Iron Man match, we should say, between Brett and Shawn Michaels happens. People think it's a great match. For me, it was like boring. No, I just knew yeah, it's boring. No, ha- you like, didn't, Dylan. You... you think it's boring now? Yeah. I once I remember watching it as a kid and being like, once it got to like, and like I wasn't super smart or anything yet, but like once it got to fucking fifty minutes in, it's like clearly they're gonna go the time limit, and then yeah. It was also one of those things where I don't... Uh, Brett and Sean got chemistry, but this is when they were still friends, and weirdly, their matches started working when um, WCW... or When Sean and Brett hated each other, their matches were much better because they both weirdly aren't that good of actors, so them actually hating each other gave the matches that little extra spice. Mm. Mm. I don't know. It, it is weird as something like that. I do think that, like, as most people said, that they basically pretended to hate each other just because they knew that the internet and um, dirt sheets, brother, were becoming a bigger thing, but then just ended up hating each other because they're both kind of dumb. And Shawn Michaels was addicted to cocaine, and Bret Hart was addicted to Bret Hart. Yeah, Bret Hart was addicted to sleeping with not his wife. Mm-hmm. And export A's. Jim Roth... <laughs> the May th- May nineteenth May nineteenth uh, the curtain call happens and Vince McMahon apparently thought the uh, did not think the curtain call was a big deal but everyone else did so he's like oh fuck and then he had to punish everybody he obviously punishes Triple H which as I'm sure every fucking nerd who's listened to this knows leads to Triple H was originally scheduled to ring King of the Ring 1996 he doesn't Stone Cold Steven does he says awesome 316 Megan's I just baked a pie and good lord he becomes a huge star. now by the way it's not like Austin 316 took off overnight. It took a while and they got behind it. That is, again, a WWF miswrite of history. It wasn't like they showed up the next night and there were hundreds of Austin 316 signs. There were a few and they were like, oh, if we push this, it'll become bigger. And that's something Steve Austin, by the way, is constantly like, it wasn't overnight and it was everything. Steve Austin was already positioned in a really good place um, going forward from this. They got rid of uh, Ted DiBiase as his champion. He, I think, gets the stunner or is about to get the stunner as a finishing move, and the package is complete. The other thing that is happening is Vince uh, Vince and Paul Heyman are now having intense conversations about ECW. Uh, ECW is, this is the best time in ECW. This is when any WCW wrestler goes to ECW briefly because they're all friends with Paul Heyman. They then go to the WWF. This is when the WWF gets the attention of ECW. This is when the WWF starts giving money to ECW, which Paul Heyman claims was over two cold Scorpio. It was not. They were essentially the new development territory for the WWF, and that was never said. Yeah. Well, that's a very important thing as well because they do obviously crib some promotional techniques from... ECW? Absolutely. And also who, by the way, and this is crazy, but who spearheaded the whole operation of bringing in um, ECW, who was really pushing for it the whole time, who was pushing for Vince to just straight up buy ECW almost right away? Who was? Bruce Pritchard. No. Me. It was you. It was Shane McMahon. 
Yeah, Shane McMahon's had some good ideas, such as by ECW, by the UFC. Shane McMahon has mostly had good ideas. Yeah, it's crazy. And then he just, and then he did, what, what did he move? He was like on the board of some like Chinese Yeah, he was on version of, of Netflix. Netflix. The reason why he left is that uh, when Linda left to go to the Senate seat, it was understood that Shane was to get her job. Um, and then at the last minute, Vince went, no, I get it. And Shane was just like, and Shane openly has said, <laughs> I, I like had that. to choose whether or not to be, stay in my family and stay at that company or go and do something else so I could still be in my family. Because basically what it was is Vince likes Stephanie. Vince doesn't like Shane because he's just like, you're the reason there was another dick in my wife. And so he <laughs> doesn't like Shane and doesn't think Shane is good, even though Shane would be a, in a much better position of running that company than Stephanie based on all of the information and data that has been presented. Okay, so Scott Hall deb- debuts, debuts in WCW, and uh, Vince McMahon sends him, sends him a very long, funny letter, basically being like, you are playing Razor Ramon? We both fucking know you're playing Razor Ramon? Suck my cock as Razor Ramon, or yourself, because they're the same person, goddammit. But obviously, we talk about this, um, that, WC- that Scott Hall had a lot of the same basically the same characteristics when he was the diamond stud in WCW in the early 90s, which saves his patoot and means that he can still have the fucking slick back fucking hair and the, and the toothpick. So he's saved. And I would like to say this. A lot of people talk about why is the giant in WCW? That's the first thing that diluted. Sorry, the NWO. That was the first thing that diluted the NWO. And it seems very straight ahead that the giant was in the NWO because they needed to prove the NWO wasn't just the WWF's proxy organization invading WCW. Absolutely. It was. Yeah, exactly. It was a lot of WWF guys to give it the feel of that. But also it's just a separate organization completely. Also, this also meant that Scott Hall could not be fired from WCW no matter how how bad his behavior was because they needed him to be a witness in the eventual disposition or uh, deposition of this trial, which is why Ooh. he just got drunk and slept with a bunch of people and ran over an old woman with his car. And they were just like, well, what are you going to do? And you know this because as soon as this uh, lawsuit was settled years later, who got fired? Scott Hall. Really? I didn't 100%. know that. Cool. Obviously, King of Ring happens June 23rd. Stone Cold Steve More like poo 23rd. Did you know that Stone Cold Steve Austin won? No. What happened? Well, all right. Here's what happened. Okay. Um, that Stone Cold Steve Austin stunners Jake the Snake Roberts. Did he? Pins Jake the Snake Roberts. No. Right? Yeah. And then he takes out a needle and he says, if you want me to get Jake the Snake Roberts addicted to heroin, give me a hell yeah. And then they gave him, hell yeah. But he was, since he was a heel, oh. he did the heroin. Cool. Where did he put the heroin he needle? Went, Stone Cold sticks it all for me. He put it in his pee hole. <laughs> Because he actually didn't want to be pierced by the needle. He just sprayed all the juices into his cup. I mean, I knew that, that was uh, that's where we were going, and I was okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and on this show, when we say something happened, it fucking happened. We're going to take a little break, because we're a while into this motherfucker, and then we're going to be back with more about 1990 sex. Break me up a bit of that rest of the review bar. Yeah. Hey, Dylan, have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about 
who would like to come on? Yeah. And by I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times, and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him, but then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus. Separately, I don't. I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a taste. Old Snickers bar hummus. Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review, or rate and subscribe on iTunes, or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now, are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Fucking turn. Break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Shut your cock washer, and use your fucking dick grabbers. To give us some fucking money. We're back from the break. John. Yeah, bro. Can I ask you a question? If Stone Cold Steve Austin was coming in, you're going to come into your house. What would you do? Oh, first of all. No, it's Austin. Austin has a gun. gun. Yes. No, Pillman had the gun. I got confused. What? You didn't know Pillman had the gun? Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, no. You can't host a wrestling podcast if you didn't guns. know Wait, Pillman who had, had the gun. Out? Uh, Pillman, for sure. Yeah, yeah, just flopped. But the most important part is I'd make sure my wife was with me. I'd be like, honey, I have a gun. There's a guy coming in to beat me up. I want you here. <laughs> I'm going to put you. Here's something I'm going to say about Brian Pillman's wife. No wife looks like she's more suited to being married to Brian Pillman than that woman. Like, you're like... <laughs> she is up for it you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. I she is she is down to clown oh yeah she's fucking uh we all it's so crazy the evolution of brian pillman where it's like him his in-ring and his uh and his persona just completely missed each other as far as it's like, also crazy that vince mcmahon brought him this was this again was clearly this was a jim ross hire if there ever was one yeah. Because Vince would be like, I don't like this guy. And Brian Pillman would be like, good. I don't fucking like you either. And he's like, I love him now. Yeah. This is Brian Pillman, of course, like every Jim Ross hire, play, play football. We play football. He was um, he's a tenacious football player. You know that one of the things that Brian Pillman wanted to do, and both companies were like, if you do that, we will not cover you legally, is because he, wor- he played for the Bengals. And he knew the arena staff, and he wanted to, on Monday Night Football, either wearing a raw shirt or a nitro shirt, depending on uh, which company he pitched it to, and he would just walk onto the field and chain himself to the goalpost. It's so weird, the evolution of like how he becomes the loose cannon character from many people basically saying it all the time. Like, he's always the loose cannon. Yeah, like, people, like, Brian, like, Bobby Heenan, I think, went to his grave being like, this fucking asshole hurt my neck. So, obviously, he has the big car crash and that he is also important because not only is Brian Pillman, in many ways, paved the way for, like, what the mid-card becomes in the Attitude Era, which I don't think people think about, where it's like, he has all these, like crazy salacious angles that aren't even about wrestling where it's like he wins marlena off gold dust and then goes we fucked ha 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 and 
he obviously does the match where he wears a dress and then he uh, is fine wearing a dress, which everyone's like, if you want to, if you are super liberal and you listen to this uh, and you want to get upset for some reason, just watch those matches and how they haven't changed the commentary at all. Oh, Enjoy yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't understand. Why is he, why is he in a dress? And then Jim Ross will be like, because he's not a man. He's not a man. I'm cover him in barbecue sauce. I, I'll kill him. He should be killed. Yeah, you know, the thing with Marlene is just Jesus' property. <laughs> you know what they say? You got a little saying in Oklahoma, a man in the dress is still a man. Yeah, the thing about me, you got to remember all this, buddy. I don't let him say this. I'm J- oh, Jim Rawls is attracted to Brian Pillman. <laughs> it won't be a slobber knocker it's just gonna be me slobbering on his knockers all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good there's ron this barbecue sauce jerry lawler Ooh, I'd like to engage in some mind games with brian pillman tell you this. let me tell you about this brian pillman you one thing you need to know about old jimmy ross is uh that the, there's ryan this fucking barbecue sauce and fucking jerry lawler you don't want to travel with that guy because he makes you go to a fucking kindergarten class <laughs> okay you stupid motherfucker the smoking guns uh have sunny i think we should talk more a little bit about just sunny being m- mrs everywhere because she is also the managing the debuting another jim ross hire for sure ron simmons essentially 1996 WWF and 1993 WCW switch rosters and vice versa. WWF 1993 switches rosters with 1996. Uh, yeah. yeah, and what's actually amazing about this is that switching rosters is beneficial for the WWF because they it's for both companies. But they get all the young guys. They the WCW is WCW is so great 96, but by the middle of 97, it's like this again. Like you know what I mean? It's just the fucking same. Yeah, it's a weird way they take it where it's like WCW gets all these WWF guys and decides to do an invasion angle. Obviously, they have bigger stars. I should say that. But WWF uh, gets all these old WCW guys, and it's weird because in the short term, they do a shitty job because Vince wants to rename Vader the Mastodon, and he goes, fuck this guy, he's not yoked, he's a tub-tub, and doesn't push him that hard. But in the long term... Switching everyone off of the WCW angles obviously pays off with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it's a weird dichotomy where it's like short term, you're absolutely better to, as you said off the top of the show, just finish WWF storylines in WCW. But long term, you need to switch these characters completely. Yeah, it's also... I'm very conflicted about this time period in wrestling because everyone looks back at the Fed being really good in 1996 and I just think it's... Do they? I thought it was 97 that everyone's like, that's the hipster year where it's like, actually, 97. No, 96 gets a bit of that too. And I, I, I just always find it so... Yeah, like, because this is like mind games as in like Man K, my, Mankind AAA or Mankind HBK, which is considered a great match. Like, especially the back half, they're like, oh, this is the best time. And it was like, it wasn't. You don't think so? It's the ECW invasion, which is so weird in retrospect. Like that was wasn't that ninety seven? It starts in ninety six. Mm-hmm. It's back half of ninety six into ninety seven. It's in the research if you'd fucking read it. Oh yeah, because they take over Raw in February. 
Yeah, because that's le obviously leading up to barely legal. But they still have the big blocky fucking WWF. In both, but it depends on which time. The the depend like they. This is literally like the beginning of '97 is the beginning of Raw's war. Like '96 is an interesting foundation year, but it's also like you can see that Vince isn't completely willing to give control over to. Um, let's be completely honest. The creative team is Jim Ross and Jim Jim Cornette. And Vince Russo, as much as they fucking hate each other and are both super creeps in vastly different ways, they working together with Vince McMahon as purely an editor, phenomenal. Within Jim Ross, like fresh from being off works because he was fired, going on a hire, hiring spree, bringing in the best talent he could find, knowing how to sculpt them, knowing how to lead them, positions them perfectly. And that's 97. In 96, it's Vince still doubting all of that stuff and getting in the way with weird ideas. Like, it's still the salt. Mm. Like, it's like, okay, we'll make Steve Austin stone cold. He'll wear a vest and just be a badass, but he'll be going up against the Sultan who is magic. <laughs> yeah, Steve Austin does. And I don't know why this stuck, sticks in my head so much, but he beats Yokozuna because Yokozuna is too fat for the ropes on the pre-show of SummerSlam. SummerSlam's down 95,000 buys. 205,000 uh, people bought that pay-per-view on August 18th in Cleveland, Ohio, baby. In Cleveland, Ohio. Lo, 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 lo. This is where I think they really fucked up with Shawn Michaels was the Jose Lothario thing where they were like, oh, look at, don't you... Isn't Shawn Michaels like an all-American guy? And it's just like, no, he's clearly a scumbag. Like, I don't know. Like, I'll accept Shawn Michaels as a good guy, but it's a lot like what they did with Diesel, where it's like, Shawn Michaels was a better champion than Diesel because he's just like, even though Shawn Michaels is a much worse wrestler, or sorry, even though Shawn Michaels did the same thing, like became corny when they gave him the championship, he's just such a better pro wrestler than Diesel. And the size thing where you can tell the story of the underdog yeah that face. does work but the problem is it doesn't work against brett because it's like he's the underdog baby face against a guy who's like three quarters of an inch taller than him and brett also is like a shit like he's even when brett plays a heel it was like represented that like he's his whole character was he's the excellence of execution. He's the best wrestler. So it just kind of presented it as this way. It's like, yeah, well, that's the smartest thing he could do in the match. Yeah. And mm -hmm. also, by the way, he wasn't a heel to everyone. Like, he goes away after this, and they really try and push him as a heel. He's briefly on Canadian television show Lonesome Dove. Which... Dylan J O to air Saturday. <laughs> which I saw on... A television channel in Canada, and it blew my fucking mind that Bret Hart was just not being like, "Hey, I'm uh, I'm Lonesome Dove. Did you know I I fucked all the fucking PAs? <laughs> Men too. Told me they'd never had a sexual experience like that, and not just because I was uh, playing mind games. Hey, everybody, it's me, Bret Hart. I just want to let you know I fucked this horse because it wasn't my wife. Okay, watch me on Lonesome Dove. <laughs> This Saturday on CHCH. I gave it the old Calgary come right in this fucking horse. And if horses could talk, it'd say, Brett, you got good at fucking better than whatever horse fucked me before, I guess. I just want to let you all know that I'm going to go play my favorite game, Smoking Inside. Okay, time to not time to name one of my kids after a part of a knife. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> 
Davy Boy Smith, this would have been so much worse. Davy Boy Smith was going to be the next member of the NWO, but Vince blocked it by signing him, which is hilarious because then that allows one, two, three kid to be the new member of the NWO. No, no, and just no, like, no, 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 no. That's 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 not a, that's sort of what happened. What it actually was was uh, Davy Boy was going to go. Vince wouldn't release him from his contract, so they yeah, he was going to sue him and all this stuff. Yeah. And then Sean Sean Waltman was going anyway because he was friends with Nash and Hall. Then he got a shitload of money for jumping because they needed more fucking WWF guys. And also, by the way, the NWO, if they had been fucking smart, they should have waited to debut the new member when they had Sean Waltman. And also, by the way, they also debut Virgil around this time as a new member, which was fucking great. Virgil coming in was fucking awesome. I don't care what anyone really? says. He's the head of security. It was awesome. I loved it. Love me. I don't know. I so I mean Virgil. I guess Virgil to me was the sign that W obviously NWO was being diluted, which I didn't even care about. But it's like to me, it's like you have Hulk Hogan, who's this bad guy. And the NWO, this is about Vince McMahon, but I just want to say this quickly. The NWO was like Hulk Hogan, who's like a biker gang leader. And then you have Hall and Nash and Waltman, who are like these shitty street thug guys who are like kind of playing like more like just dudes from like an inner city They're basically, gang. Per- they're, they're all stepdads pretending to be Tupac. Let's be completely honest. That's what they were trying. They were, they were all... Dudes fucking your mom that yes. have listened to Ca- California Love one too many times and are like... The only... Once again, Kevin Nash and Arn Anderson are almost the same age. The only thing that separates them is hairline. But, exactly. They're just white dudes who wanted to be Tupac. They were just fucking... The, the new, Hulk Hogan is old white trash, and these guys were fucking 90s. Yeah, and the other difference is, of course, is Kevin Nash listens to music on the radio, and Arn Anderson does not like music. Yeah, Arn Anderson listens to talk radio because he wants to know about traffic at all fucking times. My name is The Enforcer, and my preferred radio station is just recordings of weather reports from when I was a kid. Did you know this? Did you know that you can get this uh, application on your phone, and you can listen to what the traffic is like anywhere in the world? I mean, I guarantee Arn Anderson has recordings of World Series games that he just listens to. Like, he seems like that kind of guy. There was a very, there was a guy in... Uh, the band Nashville, Nashville Pussy. Pussy. Yeah, that's where I yeah, got the reference told me, from. Uh, yeah, he stepped outside while he was DJing at this punk rock club, and he just had like <laughs> some random Atlanta Braves game on, and everyone at this like punk club was like, "What the fuck is this?" Very funny. Wait, anyway, wait a minute. Didn't you and Bryn film a sketch with him as well? Yeah, it really opened my eyes to like how easy it is to get people to do things. <laughs> we just waited for him after a show and we're like, "You want to be in the sketch?" And he was like, "Sure." And then it, I was like, "Well, I didn't expect that to happen." And then like, how did you how did you get in contact with him the next day? I think my friend Garrett got his number. This all sounds right. Yeah, Garrett Jameson. It was funny cuz Garrett Jameson just like went back to talk to the dude from Nashville Pussy and like the guy from Nashville Pussy, Blaine, knew what was happening and I knew what was happening where I was like looking around being like are we supposed to fucking be here and then he was like and then the guy went why are you here and then garrett said oh i was wondering if you wanted to be in a sketch and the guy was like yeah just get out of here and then we were like and i was like yeah garrett like (laughs) i think that helped because i was like at least it wasn't two crazy guys it was one crazy guy and his seemingly upset friend i'll say this i've said it before and i'll say it again the song high as hell fucking great 
Amaz Hale. I've said this before and I'll say it again. How funny would Davy Boy Smith have been? Like, Sean Waltman oh, is the yeah. fucking greatest member of the NW. He's my favorite. He's like this little fucking rat. Oh, the like feud with talking while his big bully friends are beating you up, and Davy Boy Smith would come in and be like, "Okay, I love crack. Does anyone <laughs> want to fuck me, wife?" I um, mean, yeah. Oh, this is. They told me this was ECW, WCW. Oh no. Okay. Does anyone like Somas? I'm from Birmingham, and I want to let you know that I'm here to fucking do it with a garbage can. <laughs> Scott Davy Scottish Smith. Uh, Sean Waltman, by the way, is the best member of the NWO. You're 100% right. And his feud with Ric Flair is so good because it's just two men screaming at each other. And the, there is a fight that is clearly an actual fist fight between him and Ric Flair because it starts normal and then... You can see it if you watch it on YouTube. It's the one where Flair is wearing a really pink shirt. And Sean Waltman just cracks him in the face and then runs the fuck away. And Flair goes from, like, his normal, like, stalking walk to, like, uh, dad caught his daughter losing virginity chasing the boy that did it energy. And it is fucking great. Because it's, like, the first and only time you see Ric Flair get genuinely angry. Because, like, Ric Flair's like... If you get angry, you have to feel other emotions. Woo! Uh, and then <laughs> Sean Waltman just socks him in the face, and he's like, I am the nature boy. You don't do that to the nature boy. And, like, time to take out a drug addict. I'm the nature man now. Yeah, it was great. He reinvented, to me, the last man to make the cross-faced chicken wing really mean something. Sean Waltman. On September 9th, uh, this is... Now you're you're Mr. Lawsuit, so maybe you can shed some light on this. Okay. Why did they do fake razor and fake diesel? Uh, there's a couple of different thoughts. Thoughts. One of which is to protect the IP. Another one is Vince. Yeah, that's what I had heard, and that's what I assumed. But also, it's just kind of like I do think it's Vince McMahon's hubris, just being like, I can make this work no matter. That's who's what in I, the think it, I think. I think it. And what a few people have said is Vince. L- and then they cover it with the IP, with the IP now because in hindsight it looks so fucking dumb. Part of it is also, and this is what Jim Cornette said, and I kind of believe it is Vince was home alone on a Friday night, and then we had to do that. Like literally, it was like Linda went and hung out with someone for an hour. That's really funny. He just came up with it. like it's like you can't because apparently like the thing is is like you he will not be left alone. Like everyone who was in creative is like the worst thing ever is when there isn't a house show because then Vince is like perfect a great time for meetings and they're like there's nothing to meet about. Yeah, I do wholeheartedly believe it's like he's left alone and then he starts thinking about like his life <laughs> and how it's progressed. And then he's like, ah, how about everyone wears a chicken suit? It's chicken WF now. <laughs> Why? Because I just thought about my dad. Because I don't want to cry. <laughs> how about this? And then everyone's named Mummy and they hug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We get CM Punk back and then I kill him. Nitro loses. This I just want to say this. This is September. Nitro uh, beats Raw 3.7 to 3.4. So clearly Raw's in an upward mobile, like upward. Uh, use more business. Here. Use more business words. You fucking idiot. Okay. Um. Ergo, concurrently, Raw is hyper motivating the market of Dylan. So the Caribbean strap match. What makes it Caribbean? Um. 
Well, Vince McMahon came up with it. Someone just uh, steals Steve Austin's luggage at the beginning of the match. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. No, I thought, uh, no, no, I, here's what I, honestly, it was, you had to, ch- first, first thing was the person that gets the, tr- that you had to chug a bunch of ting, the drink ting, and the first person to chug five cans got the strap first. And also, but the the catch is that you're so like, you're on such a weird sugar high and you have so much gas from chugging all of that soda that you spend most of the match burping. It was a bad match. No, I think it's what I said. I think it's Vince McMahon went on a vacation for a day. (laughs) His bags were lost and he was like, that's how we start the Caribbean strap match. Vince McMahon had a six-hour layover, so you just stand, you sit in an airport for six hours. Yeah, Vince. What do you mean I can't fly direct? Vince, this is going to be in the strap match. Vince McMahon was hanging out with his best friend Jeffrey Epstein, and oh. and was just like, "All right, we'll do a match where Prince Andrew just sweats on a bunch of women." And they were like, "What the fuck are you talking about? No, we're not doing any of that." Do you know how pissed off was Vince McMahon when he heard about Jeffrey Epstein? Where he was like. I knew I should have been invited to those parties. <laughs> Why do you can't? I can't bring the cat. I had currency. God. I guarantee Vince McMahon tried to get Jillian Maxwell to be a like a special guest timekeeper at WrestleMania 36. She's in the news. <laughs> damn it. He just calling. You know when the Epstein story came out, there was just a little call. 3:30 in the morning, Triple H wakes up and he's like, "Hey Vince, what's up?" And he's like, "How old's your kid now?" Oh no 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 no! I want to do an angle. <laughs> and then he just hung up. <laughs> oh, that, how is that the first Epstein joke we've done? Is that the first Epstein joke? Someone fucking ring a bell. Ooh. Dylan and John are topical boys Put on topical Ooh. cream on your HPV wards Because we're topical boys <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing I want to get into Alex Jones style uh, products So instead of t-shirts We'll be releasing uh, revitalizing cum and <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah you, It doesn't work if you just drink it slowly Because it's gross You have to absolutely fucking it, face chug our fucking loads Yeah you just gotta fuck fuck me. And there's two types. There's old and new cum. Yeah, the new cum is from me because I'm younger than you. And then you're not. Old uh, oh no, you are younger than me. Same year. I'm just. I'm younger. Oh, I'm a hot. I'm the hot young guy on this podcast. Do you guys want to hear about mumble rap? <laughs> because I'm the hot young guy on this. podcast. Go ahead, Dylan. Tell me more about this mumble rap. Well, um, there's a guy named Lil Baby, and one of his lyrics is, wah, 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 bitch, I'm a baby. And that's as far as I've gotten. What's funny about that hit song with Drake is when they say, wah, 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 I'm a baby, Drake then tried to fuck that rapper because he thought he was yeah, yeah, a baby. Yeah, Drake started frantically texting him, yeah. and then Vince McMahon was like, ooh, you'd be a good commentator. <sighs> I heard Lawler's going to die. Aubrey, get in here. Back in the wheelchair. You're going to be Aubrey Gowan. No, 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 not Aubrey <laughs> Gowan. That's terrifying. Yeah. Zach Gowan's brother. Oh, I don't like any of this. Ah, uh, okay, shut up. It was a sharp shift in uh, McMahon's condescending tone because baby ECW is doing a bit of a run-in. And this was, of course, uh, because King of the Ring 1995, there's a ECW chant at the King of the Ring. And basically... If Vince McMahon has seen your product, it is a countdown to when he uses it because he just basically Vince McMahon 
comes up with ideas all day and has no reference point for anything. So if he sees something, it's fucking going in. Oh, yeah, bud. It's going into his work. Yeah, of course. Vince, yeah, like, let's all pray to God Vince never sees Schindler's List because that episode of SmackDown will be offensive. <laughs> I just watched 12 Years a Slave. Everyone, just go home. <laughs> we can't We can't do whatever he wants. Have you guys seen Roots? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay, we're all going home. Yeah, someone finally shows Vince McMahon just the Matrix, and he just comes in in a full black leather jacket and goes, I'm Agent Smith's dad. They're like, what? Did you even <laughs> understand? I do. Th- he has seen the Matrix because he, because uh, Trish Stratus had a move called the Matrix, and that's what he thinks the Matrix <laughs> is. They're like, oh, have you seen the Matrix? Like, yeah, it's a good move. What? Oh, you mean movie? I guarantee Jim Ross wakes up in a cold sweat some nights just um, having a nightmare that Vince McMahon saw the human centipede and then they were in Oklahoma the next week. (laughs) So uh, there's a show called Livewire, which is the WWF's first like worked shoot show. And it's hosted by Vic Venom, who's Vince Russo. And I wanted to explore this idea. How good is Vince Russo at talking to people of positions in power in wrestling? Because he went from a guy writing a blog to the head writer of WWF television in two years. And then they tried to fire him from TNA. And Spike TV explicitly said, we'll have your fucking product on television for as long as you want. Just don't hire this guy. And they still hired They said that no guy. deal. So yeah, how, it's fucking insane. How good is he at fucking talking to people in positions of power? Good, I guess. I don't know. Like, what do you think it is? I don't know. I just want to explore this idea more. Like, do you think that he's condescending to everyone except for, like, blowing I think what I think what it is is he's very dumb, so he's one of those people that just agrees with people, and if you're a wild narcissist, you're just going to be like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, like, it's one of those things where that guy, I guarantee, he's, he's a wild narcissist. He's not good at his job, so he's also not a threat to anyone else who is a wild narcissist, and also he's... Like, he's clearly someone who just kisses ass. It's only just he's not the best at actually figuring... He's very good at figuring out who's actually in charge, whose ass does he actually have to kiss. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. It must be, because he's so fucking good. He's so fucking good at it. Anyway, Roddy Piper goes to WCW. They try and announce it on the hotline to detract some of the buzz from that. And we get promos taped for Rocky Maivia. So... 1996 really is the year that is the building block of what would become the most profitable era. It's the 84. The it's of. the 84 of the Attitude Era. You could see all. No, not 84, because 84. Okay, 83 you, then Dylan. 80, 83, 82, then. 82 or 83. Yeah, 82 or 83. Sorry, I made only one mistake. Unlike your parents, that made one. You. No, my parents made one good thing, which is me. No, that's your sister. Your, your sister was the good thing. You were. I remember your parents used to talk to me about it. They'd call me and be like, hey. "Such an old guy thing to say." Not me, young mumble rapper Dylan Gott. <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, wow, wow. I'm a baby bitch, Dylan Gott. Wham, wham, wham. Bitch, I'm a baby. <laughs> that's the lyric. You know, we're old when we're just recounting rap lyrics and be like, "Oh, that's stupid." <laughs> How many stand-up comedians act and uh, is just entirely saying song lyrics? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's because it's song, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My other favorite type of stand-up comedian move is, uh, hey, remember when your mom used to do this? And it's like, 
My mom never did that. But everyone's just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I guess I remember that. My favorite thing is uh, when it's stuff, they're talking about how wacky their mom is, and it's clearly like their mom has Alzheimer's now. But they just they just omit that. I make sure to mention on my my wildly acclaimed stand-up comedy album, Dr. Plops, <laughs> that I'm pretty sure she's about to get Alzheimer's. <laughs> I say, she's probably going to have Alzheimer's or anything, and then I do cute mom jokes. But I want everyone to know this is a sign of a darker era in her life that's about to start. I want you also to all know that Dylan recorded Dr. Plops full shirt cock. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you listen... Even though it's indoors, you can hear the bristling of my hog against my shirt. Yeah, you can hear just the the wisp of his pubes against the cotton. The yeah, there's a bunch of deleted tracks where I go, "Do you want me to turn around?" and everyone yells no, but I go, "Is it opposite day?" and they yell no, and people are screaming and we'll laugh. Just don't turn around, and I'll be like, "What if I show you my brown hole?" Ooh, what's this like a my a butt face? Uh oh, I dropped a bunch of long cookies. <laughs> that means poop. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want to eat some long cookies? I don't. Oh, you're such a fucking pussy then. WWF held a press conference on November 20th because they were going to do a Royal Rumble show. 72,000 people in the Alamo. They do not sell those tickets. They have to send Jim... Co- yep. um, it, don't they have a Taco Bell deal? Like they have, No, I, th- like I thought it was Bell. Blockbuster. Where like you just go to a yeah. Blockbuster and you get tickets. Yeah, uh, they basically gave away a bunch of tickets. Part of it was they had to transition it to it being Sid versus Sean as opposed to Vader yeah. versus Sean. Because Vader versus Sean, was this was supposed to be the big build-up. Sean gets the belt back. They don't do it because Sean hates working with Vader. So it doesn't ever work. And they never actually have Vader win any fucking matches. Um, although they do have Vader kill Gorilla Monsoon, which is pretty great. Wasn't no that was his debut, wasn't it? It wasn't his debut, but it was it was close to it was close to when his butt did. Get it? Because <laughs> that was that was his his WWF debut. Debut, more like. <laughs> Whoa! But he, which is also funny, because he de- his entering debut is in the Rumble and he eliminates people, but then he does get thrown out. Like it's like, <laughs> hey, here's this guy. Oh. He already lost. It's time. It's burying time. Time. Yeah. Oh, it turns out you're 6'3", and everyone here is 6'3". But that's the weird thing about where it's like, oh, the man they call Vader. Look how intimidating he is. He's next to the smoking guns. The smoking guns are visibly bigger than him. Yeah, but Vader had a look. I still think Vader was fucking misused in the film. I am a the biggest Vader fan. No, really- I am. Okay, you are then. Fucking old guys get mad. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Welcome to the bait shop. My name's Lenny, and this is Dixie Boy. <laughs> the bait shop. What's that? Oh, is that where we just watch the movie Clueless and go, "Ooh, ooh, ooh how do, how old she turning?" And then we giggle for. <laughs> Don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> I've gone to thirty proms. <laughs> anyway. Can I be a chaperone? I host a show called The Bait Shop, and it's a pun, and it means what you think it is. Um, the buy rate was 128,000 people, which was down 126,000 buys. This is, of course, for Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden. And who would have thought with matches like this you would fucking have a buy rate of 126,000? Because we got Doug Furness, Henry O'Godwin, Phil Nafon, and Phineas, who beat... 
the British Bulldog, Leaf Cassidy, Marty Jannetty, and Owen Hart. How far down on the card has Owen Hart fallen from his amazing matches against Bret Hart that he's losing here? You know who Owen Hart reminds me of is Sami Zayn, where he's a great wrestler, but they don't know what to do with him outside of feuding with the one guy they know he feuds with. Yeah, it's... It's interesting. It's a very classic WWF problem in that wrestling fans are like, we love this guy. And then the company is kind of like, well, you don't always get what you want. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just this odd thing of like, well, like he's one of those guys where you're like, why don't you just let him decide what he wants to do? Yeah. And I guarantee Owen, like as many people said, he was probably just so laid back. He was like, yeah, I could do that or whatever. Just pay me money. And then... They just were like, okay, you lose then. And he's like, that's fine. I'm Brett's over there telling a vending machine that he's had an affair. <laughs> hey, uh, can I get a Pepsi? And I'd like to uh, fuck you because you're not my wife. Hey, uh, can I have a bowl? Of, I want a, I want a pop. I got to get a, a pop and a popcorn. You got that? <laughs> so, I mean, I just want to oh, point out mention- that we've turned Bret Hart into like a very good wrestler into essentially just a guy that fucks things that aren't his wife. And, and <laughs> but that's what he did. I just want to say he I've read Bret Hart's book. I've heard a lot of stories about him, and I've gotten to the point in my life where I feel like I've grown up because I obviously Bret Hart's a better wrestler than, but I do believe everything Kevin Nash says about Bret Hart where he's like, it would be weird to be like a guy who's like, Hey, why don't I win the title? And then you're like, we're all getting a million dollars, man. This is just the thing I do before I get fucked up tonight. You know what I mean? It's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to win this match. Cause it's make believe. And it makes means I get more money. And then I'm going to go on a date with whoever fucking texts me back. And Bret Hart's like, but if I get the build, then uh, they told me I'm. Uh, they told me I can have sex with uh, someone who uh, uh, dated Madonna briefly. Did you ever think about how good naked I would look with the belt? <laughs> Show me Polaroids of you naked holding the belt. I don't have any of those. Well, then I deserve the. Belt. Yeah, I better get the belt though, Sean. Sean, he he got to pose naked with the belt in the future. Oh, by the way, I can see through time. <laughs> 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 oh, by the way, I can see through time anyway. I have poo stains on the belt. That's my poo. You haven't even cleaned the belt. Yeah, here's the thing you don't know about Stu is uh, he treated us so badly it actually uh, it expanded our minds and I can see that I can see through time. <laughs> All right, so um, Brett and Stone Cold Steve Austin start their feud, which really is one of the best feuds in the mystery of wrestling i was history but i put an m mystery of wrestling and transform stone cold steve austin completely because people forget this bret hart is a amazing wrestler he's an amazing baby face for the early to mid 90s and then once you transition to the attitude era which they are transitioning to because um they they're starting to make sunny like, Sonny's character with Farouk is that she bones Farouk. They make a bunch of allusions to basically she just bones whoever is the tag team champions now to make more money. Like, Sonny really is they're dipping the toe in the water of the Attitude Era before they go full on with Sable, who, by the way, has already debuted. And she doesn't get a lot of shine, but Sable is the second biggest star of the Attitude Era, even if she was like Goldberg, where it was like... She was a huge star and then kind of left. Goldberg and Sable were the two things that they couldn't counter program against each other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Stone Cold Steve Austin obviously is in the main event, so like he's going to get a bunch of programs. But like, it's it sounds weird, but it's like it matters what's on in the middle of the card with ratings because you need someone watching the show at all times. But it's basically like if you wanted to make an alpha. 1998 wrestling show it would be like stone cold steve austin storyline sable matt sable segment uh goldberg segment stone cold steve austin payoff yeah this is every episode of monday night raw opens vince mcmahon is like ah sable (laughs) vince mcmahon tries to eat a sandwich but he can't figure out how it moves works anymore mankind match for no reason sable comes out says something like who wants to see my jugs the entire crowd (laughs) goes go to commercial break full jacks kane comes out choke slams a jobber steve austin drives some sort of vehicle into the ring Stunners everyone, ends with a man going, yeah, 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 yeah. That's every Attitude Era Raw right there. <laughs> okay, so fuck you, John. We're fucking done now. That was a really good. Oh, sorry. They came up with Shotgun Saturday Night, which uh, oh, yeah. ended up having jugs on it. Yeah, it's got jugs and nuns, and it's in a nightclub, and then Vince t- gets tired of that idea, and they just make it another fucking TV show. Which, I mean, Shotgun Saturday Night was, like I said, this is the type of thing that they're just not doing now, which is they just try new ideas and they do not do that. Because it's also, by the way, this was Vince, I guarantee what this was is Vince McMahon read an article about club kids in New York that was two years early and he's like, well, you gotta be in a nightclub. Yeah. And just have a show look different, I guess. Anyway, John, what do you think the best thing about Vince McMahon is in 1996? He delegated. Worst thing, everything else. Yeah, it's probably like he got to be on the fun side of the weird lawsuits the one against razor and the one against the or i mean actually turner basically filed a lawsuit against him and that's him just being like fine i won't do it fine i'll be a good boy i won't have a sketch where you do fucking lewds with your asshole fine fine i won't have sex with your wife ted I think the worst thing about it is that he honestly probably still thinks those Billion Dollar Ted sketches are funnier than anything on Saturday Night I got news for you. I guarantee Ted Turner, who has Alzheimer's now, routinely gets prank calls from Vince McMahon just laughing. <laughs> you mean Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's? I mean, Alzheimer's would be sweet because it's like, yo, I'm all-time sick. Yeah, it's Alzheimer's. And he's literally, he just calls and he's like, Ted, do you know me? And Ted's like, what? <laughs> what? And he, ah, ha, ha. And he wins and hangs up the phone. <laughs> oh, for sure he does. For sure. Okay. So that being said, John, do you have anything to plug? Plug me. Go buy my albums on iTunes. We still don't have jobs <laughs> because of COVID. Go to Patreon. <laughs> plug me. Plug if me. If you guys know where Dorchester Dor- Golf Club is, we'll be there on August 29th. There are tickets on brown paper tickets. I'll put a fucking link into the bio. Drive out and see us and touch us with your hands. It's called shaking hands. <laughs> we will be. You guessed it, buddy. We will be um doing stand-up. So we won't just be saying come. There will be context and we will be doing comedy jokes and it will be heavily geared towards entertaining people at a golf club so so i assume only people with like nice polo shirts and then hopefully some of you guys show up and it'll be like that guy just looks like linus from peanuts he's probably one of our why are there eight pig pens here (laughs) 
So that's the fucking episode. Join us on Twitter, at WrestlerReview, at WrestlerReview on Instagram. If you guys want to join the Patreon, then join us on Patreon.com backslash WrestlerReview. If you guys want to find any of this shit, just put it in Google and then WrestlerReview in the thing you want to see. And we're going to record a Patreon episode next week about someone because we get paid by our nice nice subscribers to do that so we'll be doing that episode i'll announce that next week once we figure out who we're profiling and who to thank for their lovely donation thanks so much for listening guys um now if you guys want to lie down stomach down on the ground stomach down take a banana and put it where you want to yeah 